Fantasy Football Happy Hour with Matthew Berry, served by Applebee's. Happy Tuesday. Welcome to the Fantasy Football Happy Hour. Not what you were expecting, right? I'm Connor Rogers alongside Roto Worlds and the co-host of the Roto World Football Show, Denny Carter. Denny, great to have you in here, man. Don't adjust anything right now. Matthew is on the way. We'll get to that in a second. But, Denny, we're officially made it to the start of football season. How you doing, man? It's amazing. The, the week one content has dropped. I, I wrote my waiver wire column yesterday. It's, it's live on NBCSportsEdge.com right now. It's, uh, it's really happening. After all these weeks and months of talking, we are finally doing yeah, we're getting away from some hype trains and actually watching some football. And we are going to get into some of the biggest headlines around the opening of the NFL season, you and I. But speaking of that, Matthew Berry, everybody's wondering, where is he right now? Where has he gone? What is he doing? Some are even wondering, is he big-timing us? Matthew Berry getting ready to go on The Tonight Show is the rumor. And it's not just a rumor. The Tonight Show is telling us that he will be on with them. So make sure to tune into that, and we'll see if he shows up today. No, I'm just kidding. I promise he will show up today. But, Denny, while it's just us, let's get into the nitty-gritty what's going on around the NFL. And we have to start with some good news. Chris Godwin coming off the ACL, practicing without a knee brace. Are you expecting the full-throttle, full-workload Chris Godwin to kick things off in Tampa Bay? If you would have told me six weeks ago that we would be talking about Chris Godwin getting a full complement of snaps and routes in week one, I would have said, oh, well, you, you're off base, at, at, just to put it kindly. But it looks like that's happening, or at least something close to it. It looks like Godwin is ramped up to the point where he's practicing without a brace. Uh, Tampa coaches told the media yesterday that that is a big deal. That is huge progress in his recovery from, remember, a late season ACL injury that we were thinking was going to put him on the shelf for the first two, three weeks, maybe more of this regular season. That's not the case. Honestly, people who have been drafting Chris Godwin at his ADP in redraft leagues are about to look really smart. And uh, simultaneously, those who hammered Mike Evans this summer, maybe not so smart because we are we are in a situation where Godwin is the wide receiver one in the Tampa offense when he's healthy. Yeah, so that's the good news, that the Chris Godwin drafters are going to have a good time. But let me ask you a little bit about the fallout. You hinted at it with Mike Evans. But two other guys that are being drafted, Russell Gage, Julio Jones, how does this impact their production, their workload? Because we've seen Godwin just be an absolute target monster whenever he's on the field in that Tampa offense. Sure, and I I think we we have some indication that Tom Brady can support three fantasy-viable wide receivers in an offense at the same time we saw uh, for for a moment last year uh, with Antonio Brown, with uh, Chris Godwin, and with Mike Evans. Now, I don't think that all three of them can be top 24 types, but they can be usable in 12-team leagues, especially if you're in a league where you know, you're starting three receivers and you have a flex to fill. Uh, Russell Gage is banged up. I, I do think that Julio Jones would be the preference right now, and Julio has apparently looked very good in uh, Bucks practices this month. All right, moving over to the quarterback side of things. Not shocking, Mitch Trubisky officially named the starting quarterback in Pittsburgh. He was also named a team captain, which can be taken a lot of different ways. Maybe he's going to hold on to that quarterback job longer than people expect with Kenny Pickett having a really strong summer as well. When you look at 
this situation, I think us as uh, in the fantasy community care more about the Steelers' offense around him rather than Trubisky himself. Do you think this is good news for a George Pickens, Deontay Johnson, obviously Pat Fryermuth and Najee Harris as well, or do you think this is one of those situations they have to monitor and maybe wait till Kenny Pickett takes over? I don't think that there's any chance that we're going to see Mitch Trubisky start, you know, 16, 17 games this year. I think that, you know – there's no indication that he has uh, altered his game to the point where he's going to have a, a lock on that starting gig. Now, maybe the Steelers just love veterans so much that they're they're going to do it. Uh, but I do think that Pickett will get his chance. Deontay Johnson became very interesting to me in the preseason because, and I was mostly fading him, you know, in July and August. He became interesting when Pickett and Trubisky really targeted him heavily in preseason action. So I think that Deontay Johnson is is fine with Trubisky under center. I'm not sure how you're going to handle the other receivers in an offense that will probably be run heavy. Yeah, I think so as well. All right, moving on to more good news. James Robinson will officially be active in week one. Suffered the Achilles injury against the Jets in week 16 last year. So that's a pretty impressive recovery trajectory for him, especially since he's been uh, doing individuals over the summer. So I don't know if he'll be full go week one out of the gate, but Doug Peterson saying he will be active. Obviously a shared backfield with the very talented Travis Etienne, who is also coming off injury. You start to see James Robinson as a big-time value, Denny. This news I don't think came out of nowhere, but it feels like people forgot about him entirely this summer. I surely did. I mean, you know, until until August when it appeared that he was going to make this, you know, Cam Akers-like recovery from a late-season Achilles injury. We just are not accustomed to that sort of thing with an Achilles, especially with a running back. I guess it's happening. I am a little skeptical that James Robinson is going to be as efficient and as productive as he has been in that Jacksonville offense Uh, from, you know, beat writers we've heard all summer that James Robinson will probably be the third down back in this offense, which is a little, a little disturbing, I guess, for Travis Etienne drafters who thought that they were getting perhaps like a PPR monster uh, who would eventually maybe become an every down back. I don't think that you're getting that as long as Robinson is healthy, but I think that, it, it, we're still a long way from saying, okay, James Robinson is going to completely scuttle uh, Travis Etienne's fantasy value. Yeah, Robinson averaging 16.2 touches in games where he played at least 50% of the snaps last season. RB 17 in points per game prior to that injury, and that, that's most of the season, weeks 1 to 15. I want to say here with Jacksonville, because the Robinson news comes out, and I think it puts a little panic in a guy, uh, in a lot of people that drafted Travis Etienne. Do you think, I I mean, I personally think they're different enough running backs where they hold very uh, distinct roles where one can coexist with the other. But my question to you is, Danny, do you expect a big enough jump overall from this Jacksonville offense with the hire of Doug Peterson, year two of Trevor Lawrence, who really struggled as a rookie next year, where it can sustain two productive backs? It's a good question. And honestly, you know, I, I have a lot of Christian Kirk in leagues. I know that mm, yeah. you, and, you and Matthew talked about Christian Kirk uh, last week, maybe the week before, but uh, I'm, I'm banking on this Jaguars offense taking a step. And I don't think that's a lot to ask for considering how atrocious they were under Urban Meyer. They have a legit NFL coach now, which is, a, which is you know, moving in the right direction and, uh, and a good offensive mind. And Doug Peterson, uh, by all indications, uh, uh, Trevor Lawrence has taken a step, has shown more accuracy, more pocket presence, 
um, it has better connection with a better receiving core. I think that we are going to see this this Jags offense maybe surprise. I'm not I'm not saying go over the moon, but I do think that guys like Christian Kirk, I think Travis Etienne can bring back the, the value based on their ADP. All right, staying in Florida, but going back to Tampa, maybe a little bit of some perplexing news. Uh, the report that the Buccaneers prefer to lighten Leonard Fournette's snap rate. RB3 in total fantasy points at the time of his injury, which was week 15 last year. Top four among running backs in targets, receptions, receiving yards, despite missing three games. Fournette has just been an absolute monster in fantasy since getting to Tampa. Obviously, this is a team with serious championship aspirations here. Is this a, is this a code red here alert here, Denny, or is this, yeah, we're not really buying it. When the game is on the line, they're going to feed their guy. It depends on who you ask. If you ask people who have been drafting Leonard Fournette everywhere this offseason, then uh, they would say this is nothing. And if you talk to the faders like me, you say this is something. So I, I do I do think that there is a little something to this. This is not the first time that we've heard from beat writers or, or Tampa coaches that, you know, maybe Fournette a, a little bit on the older side as far as running backs go, a guy who has missed time in both of the past two seasons with the Bucks. Maybe it's time to ease up a little bit on the massive workload, both both the snap share uh, and and touches in this offense. Now, uh, that doesn't mean that like Rashad White is like an automatic start in 12 team leagues. That's not what that means, because I think Keyshawn Vaughn, maybe even Gio Bernard can get and maybe will get involved uh, in this Bucks offense. But I do think you know, we may talk to, talk about this in a second. I think that this makes Rashad White a must stash on your bench in in pretty much every format yeah we're going to get into some of those bench stashes in our next segment really excited to talk about that i'm glad you brought up rashad white because not a guy that was necessarily a total workout horse throughout his college career and a little bit of an unknown stepping right into an nfl rookie role at this point a lot of people project him as the pass catching back but fournette's been so good at that that's the interesting part here 4.9 receptions a game that was second most among running backs uh 10 plus games with four plus receptions tied most among running backs again so i think i'll ask you it like this denny when this can be a pass happy offense which we've seen it do plenty of times and tom brady is on the field and tom brady is a guy that is very loyal to his veteran players over and over again it feels like or at least to me that Fournette is going to be the guy, and this is more of a situation of, hey, maybe we can lighten his workload if we get into blowout games. Maybe we don't have to run him in between the tackles uh, over and over again when we're up by two or more scores. So I don't really have a lot of fear here, and it sounds like you don't either, as much as Rashad yeah. White's intriguing. Yeah, I mean, we, we want the pass catching back and Tom Brady backfield. We, we've known this for years. Uh, people benefited from it tremendously last season with Fournette. So he probably still has that role locked down. Uh, I think we'll see if he can stay healthy. He'll probably retain that. But the one thing Tom Brady likes more than his buddies on the team is winning. So I think that if Rashad White shows that he's a superior option at some point, he could work his way into that lineup. All right, one more here. Damian Williams reportedly will have a big role in the Falcons' backfield. I don't know how excited that makes anybody when you hear it's (laughs) from the Falcons' backfield. Uh, Damian Williams had three games with 10-plus touches with Chicago in 2021, two games with 70 or or more scrimmage yards last season. He turned 30 years old this spring. Is this something you can buy into at all, or is the Falcons' backfield turned into absolute poison that you stay away from? Well, look, we're talking about an Atlanta offense that desperately wants to run the ball. We know this about Arthur Smith. That's all he did in Tennessee. It's all he wanted to do last year. The Falcons had the second lowest 
pass rate on first down last year, which is highly questionable uh, for a team that was constantly trailing. But it is what it is. This team wants to run. So maybe a guy like Williams can deliver some value as like a streaming RB2 type guy. I wouldn't put all my eggs in that basket, though. I, I, I think the Falcons, and I, I know I'm not alone on this, are going to be bad. They're not going to be in a position to establish the run week in and week out. Uh, so, you know, pump the brakes a little bit on the Damian Williams thing. Yeah, I'm with you, especially when you're moving on from Matt Ryan, who targets running backs at some of the highest rates in the NFL. That might hurt a Cordero Patterson. It could hurt a Damian Williams. On the flip side, with Marcus Mariota and a team, unfortunately a defense in real football, that is expected to be playing from behind a lot, does that intrigue you a little bit more to not overdraft Kyle Pitts, but that he can be the sole target monster of this offense? That if Drake London can stay healthy, there's a lot of garbage time there for both those players. For sure. I, I, I really have come around on Drake London. Kyle Pitts, of course, is a generational tight yeah. end, probably you know, should be treated as a wide receiver in fantasy. And, and uh, so you, there's no argument there. But yeah, Drake London, I think these two guys could combine for an over 50% target share in this Falcons offense this year on a team that probably will have to throw a lot against Arthur Smith's, you know, uh, uh, will, I guess. Uh, but yeah, and Drake, Drake London is a fantastic prospect. Uh, and the volume could come via trash time, uh, garbage time for sure. All right, I'll close this segment with this, and I don't want to steal too much from our next uh, when we go over the waiver wire ads. But speaking of rookie wide receivers, sounds like you're starting to turn the corner on Drake London a little bit. We've seen low ADP on guys like Garrett Wilson, even Chris Olave. We know Jamison Williams is working his way back from injury. George Pickens is somebody that has absolutely had a huge summer and is being drafted highly, deservedly so. Is there any rookie wide receiver, though, that you really, really like maybe as your last round pick as a bench stash, especially for those in keeper leagues? Wondell Robinson of the Giants. Uh, We've heard nothing but positive reports about Robinson's usage as both uh, a rusher and a receiver. In the Giants offense that, you know, plays fast, uh, they'll probably have a bad defense this year, which will – uh, force the the offense to run more plays. Uh, NBC Sports' Peter King was you know raving about yes. Wondell Robinson's usage. We have to listen to that sort of thing, I think. And um, with Kadarius Tony banged up and Sterling Shepard coming off a, a very serious injury, uh, Kenny Galladay being you know Kenny Galladay, yeah. uh, we're we're, uh, <laughs> we're we're looking for Robinson. I think I think to have an immediate role in that New York offense. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, Denny is staying right here with me as we go over his top 10 waiver wire ads for week one of the season. Don't go anywhere. Javante Williams, not a household name. Nobody knows who this guy is, but they will know very soon. That's a great one. If you had one player to invest in for the rest of their career, who would that be? Justin Jefferson. Just give me Justin. Welcome back, everybody. Listen, if you drafted your team, and you hated it from day one, what do you do? You drop a ton of players and you go right to the waiver wire. And that's why Danny Carter is back with us to go over his top 10 waiver wire ads for week one. Let's start with number one here, Denny. Rondell Moore only rostered in 29% of leagues, 18.4 points per game in three games with six-plus targets. Basically, when Arizona used the rookie last year, he was productive. Why else do you love him? Well, you know, DeAndre Hopkins obviously is suspended for the first six games of the regular season. Um, that should result in a major increase in both snaps and pass routes for Rondell Moore, who, you know, and that was the issue last year is that he, for most of the season, for whatever reason, and Cliff Kingsbury has said, 
I don't know why. And that's, that's curious <laughs> as a head coach, but, uh, Not a great <laughs> answer. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't really know whose decision it is cliff, but, uh, you know, it, it, but more, you know, should, should see that increase in usage. Uh, hopefully the hope is that he gets a little more downfield with his targets because his 1.3 a dot last year, average depth, depth of target was fairly depressing. So we, 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 we want to see more uh, downfield usage for more who, who can, who can and will succeed. I think, if if they do that uh, for, in PPR leagues, I think more needs to be rostered in way way more leagues. We're talking I, he should be rostered in eighty percent. Yeah, eight point two yards after the catch per reception. That was third amongst wide receivers. This is somebody going back to Purdue. We know he can make guys miss. He can break tackles. They just got to get creative and get the ball in his hands on those manufactured touches, screens, pitch passes, whatever way to do it. Shallow crossers. Let's move on to somebody that can have a pretty big. Uh, rookie roll out of the gate after a big summer. Romeo Dobbs on the Green Bay Packers, the day three pick that, because Christian Watson has been banged up, has been the most impressive rookie wide receiver for Aaron Rodgers this summer. Only rostered in 32% of the leagues after the summer of hype. Now some news of Alan Lazard maybe being banged up for week one. Denny, I'm shocked by that number of 32%. Seems wildly low. Yeah, I mean, the uh, the Romeo Dobbs Twitter propaganda did not filter down into no. casual leagues, I don't think. Uh, and maybe that's a good thing, maybe a bad thing. But Dobbs needs to be rostered, I think, in 12-team formats. It's a it's a Green Bay receiving core that, you know, what is might might be bottom three in the league, generously. Uh, somebody is going to emerge, and I think Dobbs has a good chance. Like, like you said, Lazard has this weird undisclosed issue, injury, we don't know. He's questionable maybe for week one. Sammy Watkins, eh, you know, is co- constantly battling injuries. Uh, Randall Cobb is the slot guy. But I think that Dobbs is, is a great fit out on the outside for Aaron Rodgers. And Rodgers made the point to say the standard that we usually hold rookie receivers to on this team and in this franchise doesn't apply this year because what he didn't say is because we're so bad at the pass catcher <laughs> position. Yeah, Rogers, a guy that usually uh, doesn't hold back. That was a pretty, pretty big quote approving of Dobbs. All right, number three on your waiver wire ads, Rashad White. We touched on him briefly in the last segment, talking about the Bucks. Forget the fact that the third rounder is the perfect insurance in case of a Leonard Fournette injury, which does happen year after year. But it sounds like he can get some work in the pass game. Denny, you projected White as an RB twelve in PPR formats. If we do get that inevitable Leonard Fournette injury, only rostered in 35% of leagues right now. That all sounds pretty good to me. What else do you like about Rashad White? Yeah, so if you went running back heavy to start your draft, uh, whether it's 12-team, 10-team, whatever, you're probably not going to have much interest in Rashad White. And I and I get that. But if, like me, you are desperate to add somebody to your bench who could eventually fall into touches in a good offense – Rashad White has to be the guy. He has to be on your bench. Uh, you know, he he proved to be a really good, efficient pass catcher in college. Uh, Albert Breer from Sports Illustrated made the point to say two weeks ago that he is probably the best, talking about White, the best pass catching back Tom Brady has played with since James White, which is, you know, that's, uh, that's high praise. Yeah. So I, I do think that he needs to be stashed. All right, moving on to another running back, Khalil Herbert, uh, in a place in Chicago that is expected to have some offensive line woes. They do have David Montgomery there. He's rostered in 41% of leagues, which is higher than the three guys we talked about over him. Two starts last season for Khalil Herbert in weeks six and seven, 18.8 
points per game, averaged 22 touches per game, 110-plus scrimmage yards in both games. Pretty simple. When Herbert plays, he's extremely productive. The question I have for you, Denny, is do you expect him to play, or are we waiting on a David Montgomery injury for this situation? Yeah, I mean, just like the Falcons we talked about a couple minutes ago, I I don't think that the Bears will be in a position to – uh, funnel touches to their running backs very often. I think they'll be facing a lot of negative game script. And so I, I do think it's the latter scenario where you're probably waiting on Montgomery. And again, we're not, we're not wishing injury on anybody, but if David Montgomery misses time this year, Herbert would slot in as the every down back. Herbert had a sneaky good college profile at Virginia yeah. tech. And, and last year was, was very good. He, he only scored one touchdown on 90 touches in those games where Montgomery was out uh, so he might have some regression coming to him. I like him a lot as a stash. All right, looking at the Niners' backfield, Trey Sermon out the door pretty briefly after being a third-round pick just a year and a half ago. Uh, they did draft Ty Davis-Price in the third round as well. But listen, Jeff Wilson, RB76, only rostered in 10% of leagues. All signs are pointing to Jeff Wilson being the number two in San Francisco. That is typically backfield gold in fantasy in 2021. Nine games, 79 carries for only 294 yards and two touchdowns. Seven catches for 31 yards. So for Jeff Wilson, not overwhelming production in the past, but it seems like Kyle Shanahan likes this guy as their number two. Am I wrong here? I know you like him. You have him on the ads for week one. Yeah, look, he's boring. Yeah, sure. He's boring. He's a name we've known for a long time in this Niners offense and the Shanahan system. But he's an important ad right now, again, for, for fantasy managers who went wide receiver heavy to start the draft and are looking to kind of hit the lottery ticket on their bench. Jeff Wilson is the ideal candidate in a 49ers offense that, you know, could be bottom five, maybe the, the run heaviest team in the entire league this year with Trey Lance under center. Wilson has the experience in the Shanahan system. Uh, Ty Davis Price could, you know, lurk as maybe a goal line type threat but jeff wilson has done fine as a goal lineback so i'm i'm getting him everywhere i can yeah i love the point you made there this is a team that's transitioning from jimmy garoppolo who obviously had a good handle on the offense limited upside but a good handle on the offense to trey lance who is pretty much the opposite player still picking up the overall offense the speed of the game coming out of the fcs having his last college season canceled basically redshirting his nfl rookie season has all the talent in the world, but I think, Denny, I'm with you. They are going to use the classic Shanahan wide zone ground attack to protect their young quarterback in the early going, and that just can't be with Elijah Mitchell. Jeff Wilson is going to factor into that as well. So I love that pick on here. Cannot believe 10%. That is the lowest, second lowest we have on the uh, roster percentage here. Number six, Josh Palmer, potentially the number three wide receiver in a high-powered Chargers attack. We know what Keenan Allen can do. We know what Mike Williams can do despite him being on the injury report every week and still playing over there. Josh Palmer, a deep threat out of college, 16.4 points per game in the two games when either Allen or Williams were out. That was weeks 14 and 16. So he did produce as a rookie when they needed him to. What else do you like about Josh Palmer? Do you think he can find his way into a week-by-week role in this offense, or does he need one of the top two targets to be injured to get that kind of work share? Yeah, he's kind of a weird, I wrote about it in the waiver wire column. He's, he's a weird like insurance receiver where if Mike Williams or Keenan Allen miss any time this year, Josh Palmer becomes a must play in 12 team leagues. Uh, you can just plug him in and, and know that he is going to give you something, give you a floor. He also has the ceiling, I think, for an electric playmaker like Palmer. Uh, last year, when Keenan Allen missed a game, Palmer led in targets per route run. 
uh, yards per route run, all the key metrics that you look at to say, was this fluky? And it was not fluky. Palmer is the real deal. He just needs an opportunity. I do think that you would need to wait and be patient to use him in the right spot. Josh Palmer, we're going to call him the Alexander Madison of wide receivers at this point. All right, sticking with the Chargers, Gerald Everett, tight end 21, only rostered in 23% of leagues. It feels like we've been waiting for the Gerald Everett premier fantasy breakout forever. But, Denny, if he's going to do it, this has to be his best shot in this Chargers offense, right? This is it. Look, you know, I talked about it. him last now year. I talked about him the year before. Now we're finally here, the, the, the Gerald Everett breakout. Uh, Jared Cook, who is not exactly a spring chicken. Sorry, Jared, if you're if you're watching, but you know we're the same age. So, uh, uh, Cook ran the eleventh most pass routes last year among tight ends, and Gerald Everett should be able to inherit that entire route running workload. And he's he's just better. He's just better than Jared Cook is at this at this point of, of his career. Uh, Justin Herbert targeted tight ends on twenty one and a half percent of his throws last season. I, I think that Everett could be kind of sneaky and could make his way into so, sort of an every uh, an every week play in twelve team leagues. Now he is going to be touchdown dependent, but guess what? All tight ends are touchdown yep. dependent outside of the Kelseys and the Pitts and everything. Yeah, I like the value play, and you made a great point about Herbert. The Chargers ranked sixth in tight end end zone targets last season. Clearly, a position that he's going to target. And now he's got the talent to do it. All right, a familiar face. Makes his way on. Only rostered in 45% of leagues. The disrespect for Matt Ryan as he finishes out his career with the Colts here. The Colts ranked 18th in fantasy quarterback points last season. The Falcons were 30th. Everybody believes Matt Ryan is an upgrade over Carson Wentz and at least in consistency. Denny, can you buy into Matt Ryan from a fantasy potential this year, even with Jonathan Taylor being the workhorse that he is, really only having one true workhorse wide receiver in Michael Pittman? Is there enough there to buy into Matt Ryan, maybe even as a streaming option this year? For sure, as a streaming option. Uh, I think week one, you could not ask for a better spot. The, the Colts uh, have a, a high uh, implied total. They're big favorites against the Texans. The Texans were uh, fourth worst against the pass last year by several measures. Uh, I know that they added some you know, pieces to that secondary, but I'm not too afraid of that. Uh, Frank Reich has been open over the past two or three weeks saying, we don't want to be a ground and pound, run first, run only set type of team. We want to pass the ball because that's what Super Bowl teams do. This team is quietly you know, stacked with talent on the offensive side of the ball. And Matt Ryan was not as bad as you think, or at least as I thought, uh, from judging from last year, trapped in a horrible Atlanta offense. Uh, don't judge him by that. Play him in week one if you don't have a locked-in starter in 12-team leagues. All right, number nine, got to be honest, Danny, the, my, the biggest surprise for me on the list. You might be the last man on planet Earth that is not all the way in on the Damian Pierce hype train, or maybe you still are, but you like this insurance option. Rex Burkhead, only rostered in 5% of fantasy leagues right now. 15-plus touches in seven of the final eight games. About 11 points per game over that stretch, RB 28. Uh, 21.4 points per game in two games with 20-plus touches. So productive when they really got him going, but we know about the peer site. Why should anybody roster Burkhead? I would love to know. <laughs> As I said in the waiver wire column, this is not a bit. I'm not trying to be funny. I like uh, it, though. Keep it going. Yeah, look, the, the, the Texans love Rex Burkhead. And I know that sounds funny, especially from somewhat, you know, I, I, I tend to gravitate towards spreadsheets and numbers and analytics. 
But you can't ignore the fact that the Houston Texans love Rex Burkhead as a player, as a person, <laughs> uh, and and he will be the primary ball carrier in that Houston offense if anything happens to Damian Pierce. Damian Pierce, as you know, never handled more than 106 touches in any of his four collegiate seasons. I think that it's you know remains to be seen whether Damian Pierce can actually uh, have a a full workload in the NFL. Uh, and and Burkhead is an excellent pass catcher. Uh, he he was very useful late in the season when he took over that backfield. So okay, deeper league. You drafted a bunch of wide receivers off the top. You're looking for a lottery ticket. You get Rex. All right, the last one on the list, number ten. We spent a lot of time talking rookie wide receivers to end the first segment of today's show. That's how we'll end the second segment as well. You have Jahan Dotson rostered in 21% of leagues, a top 20 pick in last year's NFL draft. Explosive player in the Penn State offense last year. Excellent tracking, can work the way down the field, can really be effective at all three levels of the field. And here's uh, some good Carson Wentz propaganda, Denny. <laughs> Wentz ranked top 10 in on-target rate on deep passes last season. So if somebody's going to work down the field, whether it's Dotson, whether it's uh, McLaurin in this mm-hmm. offense, Wentz should be able to get them the ball. Is Dotson undervalued right now? And that 21% tells me he is. Yeah, I mean, I think any receiver drafted in the first round of the NFL draft should be rostered in more than 20% of leagues. I'm not saying that you, you have to get them, especially if, you, if you're set at receiver, you're probably not going to have uh, much interest in Jahan Dotson. I get that. But you're right. You're right about Carson Wentz. It's something I wrote about when Washington, for some reason, acquired uh, Carson Wentz. He has a huge upgrade over Taylor Heineke, uh, specifically downfield. Heineke was the worst downfield passer in the entire league last year. Wentz is at least middling, maybe in the top half as far as as uh, uh, deep balls go. So, yeah, I, I think that, that uh, Jahan Dotson could be a surprise, a pleasant surprise for those who can stash him and sort of plug him in as maybe a flex. Denny, great to have you on. Excellent stuff on the top 10 waiver wire ads for week one. You can follow him at CD Carter 13 and all his work on Roto World. We will take a break, but when we're back, I'm hearing the rumors are true. Matthew Barry is in the building. Welcome back, everybody. And we got to ask you, is this the best hair duo in Roto World history? Listen, I'm still the new kid on the block around here. Denny, you have the crown right here. But I think we're teaming up. We're forming a super team right now against Barry. What do you say? I, uh, you know, I'm, I'm for it. And you do have fantastic hair. No one would deny that. And I think we make a pretty good duo. I think so as well. We've had a lot of fun having you on here, man. And like I said, Barry's going to be walking in the studio real quick, but we want you to stay around here. And I'll kick things off right here. We are going to get into some of Barry's chicken players, some of his unsexy players. So I kind of want to throw this to you, Denny. Forget the chicken players. We're going to talk about the good right here. Are there any unsexy players right now that you think are being glossed over this year to kick things off? Yeah, you know, I, I don't take any pleasure in saying this, but I think David Montgomery is a, a player that lacks sex appeal that will just see a million touches in, you know, in a bad offense, sure, but like he has a lock on a three down roll, and people like me, uh, you know, turn turn our noses up at, at David Montgomery. So um, I, I do think that he's a guy who who could be very useful for fantasy as long as he stays healthy, even though uh, Justin Fields in this Bears offense uh, is probably not going to be very good. 
Yeah, I think that's the biggest question is if the offense does take jumps that none of us saw coming, if Justin Fields develops not into a superstar, but even into a a reliable second-year player, I think Montgomery is being undervalued. So we're going to welcome in Matthew Berry, who is in the building right now. I am looking right at him. We are excited to have him here as he <laughs> walks over the grand entrance. Welcome on, Thanks. Matthew Berry. What a disaster. That's Thanks. okay. You made What's it. Going on? Did. Well, you're not Applebee's Bar and Grill. Look at this new addition to the set. Appreciate that. Thank you, Denny. Yeah, sure. uh, For uh, for joining us. Always good to have you. Listen, it's not a party, right? You know, it's like not everyone shows up on time for a party. It is what it is. (laughs) What are you going to do? I just like the fact that they're like, you know what? Let's, um, uh, you know, what? it's not enough to have Connor here with his good looking hair and his young boyish good looks. Let's make sure Denny Carter and his 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 head of lettuce is on camera as well. Yeah, it's it's an attack. Look at that! It is it is absolutely as the producer is saying. Yeah, yeah, they're saying exactly what you think they are. It starts with an F. This this can't stand, Matthew. This can't stand. Uh, Were you by the way? Were you helping Jimmy Fallon with his uh, waiver wire uh, ads for this? His draft is tonight. His draft is tonight. Okay. Paul says the Tonight Show draft is tonight after the show. There's rumors I sabotaged you. And that's why you missed the first half hour. I will confirm that. It's understood. Yeah. You can neither confirm nor deny. I yeah. made it through. It, it, I, it, I, definitely, um, I definitely had to dodge some, uh, dodge some obstacles to get here today. Denny, yeah. thanks so much for joining us, man. It was a lot of fun uh, in the first half hour of the show, and we really appreciate it. Yeah. Great yeah. stuff. Absolutely, hey, guys. Great stuff on the waiver I come, too. That was, was a bunch awesome. of great names. A bunch of really yes. great names. 100%. Thanks, guys. Yeah. I'm Welcome. with them on Rashad White. Yeah. We have a lot of fun stuff to go over today. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. All right, let's start right here. We said it. I teased it off the top. Chicken players, unsexy players. Chicken players. Yeah, it's a Jim Harbaugh thing. Oh, yeah. It's a Jim, nervous a, bird. A, a, nervous play. Like, yeah. he, he thinks chicken is a nervous bird. Yeah. I don't know if we have the tweet uh, there, but, yeah. I mean, you know, chicken, chicken is a nervous bird, according to head coach Jim Harbaugh. He didn't want his players at Michigan to eat chicken. And so, as a result, I uh, every year that I do my 10 list of 10, which is available now on Rotorworld.com, NBCSportsEdge.com, for free. I'm, of course, a company man. I have my chicken players. And these are guys, Connor, that make me nervous. Yeah. Like, I have them ranked appropriately. I'm not saying they're going to be bad this year. I just, you know, like every year there's a guy, whether it's due to injury, whether it's bad performance. Like every year there's guys that just sort of like just don't live up to expectations. Sure. They're just guys that... Based on where they're going at ADP, just give me the heebie-jeebies. Yeah, cold feet. I, I want to. The first one fascinates me. It, sure. Joe Burrow. Yeah. Maybe not a most uh, a very popular pick. Not a popular pick for this exercise. People love Joe Burrow this year. They see Jamar Chase. See all the Ferraris at wide receiver. Yeah. Upgraded the offensive yeah, line. Why, that was the only issue. Sure. Yeah. Why are you nervous? I know the schedule is tough. Schedule is tough. The Bengals defense is good. Yep. And and while the offensive line is good, great. He's going to have more time to throw. Fantastic. They're also going to be able to run the ball more effectively. Right. And so I think they maybe get into some more balanced offense. They don't need to get into shootouts. You think about last year when Joe Burrow had three different games. Uh, he had the two games against Kansas City, one of which was that Week 17 crazy shootout game. And then he had uh, – I'm sorry, he had two different games against the Ravens and then the Week 17 shootout game against Kansas City. So I'm correcting myself right there. So we had three games where he just had monster numbers. Those three games accounted for 47% of his fantasy points last year. I, it, like, he doesn't run. So he needs to to be to go where he's going uh, uh, on, and he's going as a top five quarterback on Yahoo, which is mind boggling. Yeah, yeah. Over me. Herbert sometimes. Over, he's going. Over, I've seen him go over Herbert. He's going over Lamar Jackson, yeah. over Kyler. Sometimes he's going over my ride or die Jalen Hurts. Like I, I don't know. Like to to be a pocket passer 
and go as a top five fantasy quarterback, you need to have insane, truly massive passing touchdown upside. And I get it with those wide receivers, maybe. I just, I think in that division, I think they're going to be more close games. I don't think he's going to have to get a shootout. And if you look at his numbers from last year, he had that magical run to the Super Bowl. But prior to week 17, so the last two weeks he was great, he had like six straight games with, you know, two or fewer touchdown passes. He just, he was more inconsistent than I think people realize. So he makes me nervous uh, considering where he's going. Do you think there's a component to it too that, hey, they improved the offensive line drastically. We're so excited that now it's like, hey, we could also run the ball more. That's what I'm saying. Right? Yeah, exactly. I think Mixon has a big year. I mean, and, and they love Samaj P. Ryan, yeah. you know, probably too much, probably cost him a Super Bowl. But like the fact is, is like, I, right, that's what I'm saying. I yeah. think it is a more balanced offense this year because they have the ability to run the ball and because, honestly, they're not going to have to get into shootouts because their defense is really good. Okay, a team that might find themselves in some shootouts, Dolphins. And on this list, Tyreek Hill, one of the biggest acquisitions of the offseason, paid a premium price for him, not just with draft capital, but also uh, with the contract. Goes from Patrick Mahomes to Tua Tonga-Vailoa. That's a big change. Is that... It's a downgrade. You're saying big change. You're you're being nice. I won't be. I've been in traffic for three and a half hours. Let it all out. Yeah, exactly. No, that's a... That's bad. Yeah. It's a downgrade. I, I all due respect to Tua Tungabailoa. You ain't Patrick Mahomes. Like, by the way, there's only two people on the planet that are not even close to, like, yeah. Patrick Mahomes. So that's not an insult to not be as good as Patrick Mahomes. But that's a massive downgrade. It's a downgrade in talent. It's also a downgrade in just chemistry. You know, think about how many off-schedule plays that Tyreek Hill and Patrick Mahomes connected on over the years, right? It breaks down, scrambles. Tyreek, just go long. Will that connection be there with Tua? immediately the other thing is is there's just so much unknown fantasy is so random because of the the way games go that we try to narrow out the randomness as much as we can and with this offense new head coach a lot of new pieces it's not just it's not just Tyreek Hill but they added Cedric Wilson they added Chase Edmonds they added Raheem Mostert how do those guys fit with Jalen Waddell and Mike Kosicki a lot of chess pieces for Mike McDaniel to play with who's never been a head coach before how does that all work out I just there's so much unknown about this Miami offense for Tyreek Hill to be going where he's going, which is basically like wide receiver eight or nine on Yahoo. Like, yeah. You need to be really sure about this. And the one thing I'm sure about is the guy's talented. Tyreek Hill's super talented, but does he get the massive target share that he got in Kansas City? How much is the downgraded quarterback? I just, he makes me nervous. So he's on the chicken list. Again, I have, as a, I have him ranked as a top 10 wide receiver. I also own no shares of him. This Interesting. Year. Yeah, you have him as wide receiver eight. His ADP is right around twenty three point five. That's a significant investment for him. So I understand. Yeah, I, just... I understand the reservations. Another one here in the backfield, David Montgomery, and this one. I know, and I heard you and Denny talking pretty, up, and I know no, Denny... but the offense is the offensive line's really bad unit. We had Coach Garrett on uh, the fantasy football happy hour earlier. Right? And, you know, contractually obligated. Coach Garrett didn't oh, want okay. to come here. Like, yeah, let's yeah, be honest. Yeah. Like, you know, but, like, they threw it into his contract yeah. when he wasn't looking. Like, he didn't use you the tra- like, trafficker. Right, exactly. You have to with Barry yeah. every once in a while. Poor, poor <laughs> Coach Garrett. You know, I, I, they'll suck Coach Dungy in here at some point, too. Like, anyway, so po- poor Coach Garrett, contractually obligated Jason Garrett, came here and was very nice. And he did a training camp tour. Uh, and he's gone and, you know, and, uh, you know, he knows the, the Chicago coaching staff. A lot of those guys have worked with him at the Cowboys. And so... He just said, and Jason Garrett might be the nicest man on the planet. Even, you know, so when Jason Garrett, like, he's just like, uh, you know, that, that offensive line is going to take a little time you to gel. Pull out of him. Right? He was just like, it's yeah. going to take a little time to gel. It's a work in progress, which is Jason Garrett speak for 
they're brutal. They stink. That's the worst offensive yeah. line in football. And so now David Montgomery, like the, the, the pro David Montgomery argument is that he's a three down back who gets massive volume. But we don't know that. We, this is not a coaching staff. Then you know, like Khalil Herbert, Herbert's a good running back, yep. and I heard Denny earlier in the show talk about Herbert as a waiver wire pick. I totally agree with that. For all we know, this could be a committee. It could be a fifty-fifty split, um, and so we just don't know that Montgomery's going to get the kind of workload he did last year. And even if he does, how effective is he? Given how much we th- expect that offensive line to struggle, so. Montgomery just makes me nervous. He's one of those guys that's going in that running back dead zone where I'm just like, I'd much rather take a wide receiver there um, or even a tight end or, you know, one of the early quarterbacks. You know, in that, that four, rounds four through six range, give me the Kyler Murrays, the Jalen Hurtses of the world. Give me the wide receivers, the Brandon Cookses that are going there, the, the Cortland Suttons. Give me those guys, not Dave Montgomery. Yeah, a committee back on a team that should – have a struggling offense because of the bad offensive line. And honestly, a quarterback whose legs should be utilized in the red zone more, which yeah, could sure, take sure. away yeah. uh, goal line touches it, for Montgomery. Justin, I mean, usually mobile quarterbacks help running backs generally in terms of fantasy production. But to your point, if Justin Fields calls it, let's call it four rushing touchdowns yep. this year, five, which is not out of the range. Of, I mean, you know, like, of course, right? You know, he's so mobile. Like we saw a couple of great ones last year. Like, Four touchdowns that potentially would have gone to David Montgomery if Andy Dalton were still under center, then, yeah, that makes a big difference. All right, the last one on the chicken list. Dallas Goddard. Yeah. Jalen Hurts is your guy. He is. Dallas Goddard, you're a little little concerned about. Made a hu- they made a huge move getting A.J. Brown, a target monster. We know that. A.J. Brown comes in and, and commands the football. He had a 27% target share last year. Massive. Right, so he's going to get a 25 to 30% target share on this team. You've also got Devontae Smith. We know this is going to be, we expect it at least, we expect this to be a, a slow-paced team that is going to be still run heavy because of their offensive line, because of the three-headed monster they have at running back, because of Jalen Hurts' own ability with his legs. We expect This is a team that was one of the most run-heavy teams in the NFL. They were top two in the NFL in terms of, uh, in terms of rushing attempts last year. So uh, this is a team that we expect to once again, they'll be more balanced this year, but it would still lean towards the run. Six red zone targets. That's last, year when the, w- last year without A.J. Brown there, Dallas Goddard had six red zone targets, 37th among tight ends. Uh, and so the argument with Dallas Goddard is that you expect a lot of volume, but again, with A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith there, I think Goddard's a really nice player. I'm concerned about the red zone usage, and I'm concerned about the volume on what should be a slower-paced, run-heavy team. And for him to be going, I've seen him go as like tight end seven or eight. Like, I'd much rather have Zach Ertz. I'd rather have Zach Ertz straight up, but especially Zach Ertz two or three rounds later. All right. His former teammate, just for an easy comparison. I'd much rather Hawkinson, who's going around the same range uh, as Goddard as well. He just, again, chicken player. Makes me nervous. Yeah. Well, these are the the chicken players, yes, make you nervous. These are the guys that are kind of the Honda Civic with 200,000 yeah. miles. The unsexy players. Right. The Matthew Berry type players. Oh, okay. Exactly I right. didn't say it. You did. Yeah, well, listen, I'm sitting next to you and <laughs> Denny with his head of lettuce. Look at this. Like, look we at could this. Get, we'll get the hair look at, Photoshop back up at some point. Literally, my daughter, my daughter said to me last night, my 10-year-old daughter, she looked at me and she says, you know, you know Dad, how some people have four heads? And I'm like, yeah, yeah. So you're going to say, I have five head? And she goes, no, no, no. Like, it's a seven head. <gasps> I was like, wow. Dagger. That's cruel. That's cold. She's 10. Does, I mean, how do you, you know. Like, Did you just walk away? You, what do you do? Yeah, you can't. I mean, what am I going to do? Fight a 10-year-old girl? Yeah, like, yeah make can't. your own like, dinner. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. That's, I mean, you know, 
<laughs> exactly. Exactly. You're banned from TikTok for a week. What are you going to do? <laughs> that's that's, that's mean enough. It's awful. But uh, you, the worst part was my wife laughed. That was the worst part. My wife laughed. I'm like, now you're encouraging them. Yes. It's great. And it's only going to get worse yeah. for here. I'm, I'm pretty sure my daughters are on Twitter trolling me under fake names. She has burner accounts? Yeah, exactly. Nice. Totally, yeah. Nice. Hates, the, hates these players. The unsexy players. Zeke yeah. Elliott right yeah. here. Well, again, we've talked about Ezekiel Elliott on the show a decent amount. The fact is, is that he's still going to get a ton. Of, is he going to be as efficient as he has been? No. Has the offensive line taken a little bit of a hit? Sure. I think the Jason Peters signing is really interesting. He's going to be in the practice yeah. squad, but if he gets back into shape, that's definitely going to help that. But again, sixth and total. Even last year, limping on one leg, he, he partially tore his PCL last year. Oh, right? they feed him. Sixth in total touches last year. Seventh most targets among running backs. Everyone thinks Tony Pollard's the passing down back, and he is, but like they still use Zeke in the passing down. Uh, when in the red zone, he was top nine among running backs. A lot of touches, a lot of touches in close, a lot of scoring equity. He's currently going at the end of the third round, running back fifth. Again, you know, Jay Croucher said it perfectly. The problem is he's boring. Yes. Right? When you draft him, no one's going to be like, ooh. Like when Damian Pierce gets picked, somebody in your league, they're going to go, oh, man, I wanted that yeah, guy. Yeah, he, like, he's ah, the guy of the summer. He, right, yeah. exactly. No one's going to say that. Everyone's going to yawn when you draft Ezekiel Elliott. But all he's going to do is give you over like 1,200 yards and double the touchdowns and be a very serviceable uh, running back two, if not a higher end running back to, uh, it, because I think he's back to full health. He was really hurt last year. All right, coming in at ADP of 29.7. So, Zeke, not being valued even close with the top running backs no, or the no, mid-tier no, no. running backs. I have him higher in the overalls. Yeah, okay. So, another running back that you see is being undervalued, Cordero Patterson, a target monster for Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan obviously throws to his running backs a lot. This year he will be playing with Marcus Mariota, and I'm sure at some point Desmond Ritter, Patterson, 98.3 ADP. Seems like nobody cares that he had his breakout season last year. What do you see from him this season? 12 or more fantasy points in 10 or 12 games last year. 60 or more yards in 10 or 12 games last year. Average for the first 12 games, he was awesome. 17.7 fantasy points per game. They brought him back. Here's the thing that I think is the most interesting. Third among running, of running backs that had at least 100 touches last year, Cordero Patterson was third in terms of fantasy points per touch. When he got touches... He was productive. So now you look at, all right, who's stealing touches from Cordero Patterson in this offense, right? They've got Tyler Algier, you know, Damian Williams. Damian I, know Williams. You, I know you guys were talking about him earlier in the show. The fact of the matter is, is that Arthur Smith uh, did something that no other NFL coach has been able to do in Cordero Patterson's, I believe, nine-year NFL career now, which is they found a different – he's such a unique player with such a multitude of skill sets. Like somebody that big shouldn't be that fast. Like he's a, he's a big, big yeah. dude. But he's also really, really fast. Like, you watch him, and you're like, that's a video game. Like, that's a video game. And so I think they will find a variety of ways on a team that's going to struggle to score points and doesn't have a lot of weapons, right? They've got Kyle Pitts. They've got Drake London. They don't have much else. They've got to find a way to manufacture points here, especially for we don't expect this defense to be really good. So uh, we think they're going to struggle. I don't know. I, I get it. Like, it was a breakout year, and I'm not saying he's going to be what he was last year when he was a ninth best running back in fantasy and a top 17 running back in yeah. points per game. But I do think he's a lot better than running back 36, which is where he's going because he will be used. He doesn't need to be just used between the tackles. They will use him in a variety of ways. Yeah. A, a team that's going to be playing from behind a lot this year and teams are going to bracket Kyle Pitts. They're going to give Drake London attention. There should be some easy touches there for Patterson, especially when they're playing from behind. All right, we're going to go to break, but when we come back... No one likes Brandon Cooks or Robert Woods. Both are (laughs) undervalued. I'm just saying that. Throwing that in as we go to break. 
10 of your boldest predictions for the fantasy season. All right. Can't wait to read them. I need more Matthew in my life. I'm hoping somebody at least says that every once in a while. Here's where you can get all of my fantasy football content. Obviously, you can watch this show live on Peacock at noon Eastern on demand. Full clip, full episodes and clips both here on Peacock and on the NFL and NBC YouTube channel. You can listen to this podcast anywhere you get your podcasts. You can also listen live at noon Eastern, uh, Sirius XM Channel 85, NBC Sports Audio on Sirius XM. You can also go to NBCSportsEdge.com for my rankings, for my love-hate, for my 10 list of 10, which we're talking about today, Rotoworld.com. And, of course, follow me on social media. I'm at MatthewBerryTMR on all forms of social media except the Fantasy Life app, where I'm merely at MatthewBerry. So I lied. Okay. Not boldest predictions. Wow. Yep. Big lie. They'll have to wait until tomorrow I get for that. It. I get it. Yeah, but... Maybe when just you're good, good. Uh, when you're like when you look like me, you gotta like you gotta tell the truth. You with a good looking hair and the smile, you can get away with. I'm gonna be slick when yeah. I need to be. Late round running back targets. Yes, sir. Let's start with Alexander Madison. Who? Yeah. It's pretty simple. When he plays, highly productive in this offense. Now an offense that you have huge expectations for under Kevin O'Connell. And the reality is, Dalvin Cook is the man. He's awesome. But he gets hurt a little bit each year. He's never played every game in an NFL season. Alexander like Madison had four yeah. games as a starter last year. 21.7 fantasy points per game. 26 touches a game. Almost 130 scrimmage yards per game. Right. When he gets that job. One of the things about Alec. Here's the thing. We always talk about late round running backs. Right. Hey, here's who I want to grab. Right. The problem is. In, the problem is in fantasy football. It's not just about grabbing players and having them on your bench. It's about knowing when to start them. Mm. And the great thing about Alexander Madison you know. is that. When, when Dalvin Cook is out, you know to start him. And when he starts, he is a top 10 fantasy running back. And so, again, we talk about this all the time. Fantasy football is not a season-long game. It is a weekly game played over a full season. That is an important distinction to make. And so the fact is, is all you're trying to do is win a game a week. And so the three weeks you'll know um, for, uh, to start Madison, he's going to be a, a league winner for you. By the way, he's also great trade bait for whoever has Dalvin Cook in your league. Uh, so that's what you're looking for with late-round running backs is guys with upside. And given that we, Dalvin Cook has yet to play an NFL, a full season where he's played every game in the NFL, Madison's likely going to have some games this year where he, he wins you a week. You have him as RB39. Roto World has him as RB49 and Yahoo a little higher as well. They have him RB46. So you yeah. are higher on him uh, because you know when he plays he's going to be super impactful. All right. Another guy that's projection is not as easy, James Robinson, who will be active for week one. Huge news from Doug Peterson. We'll be in a backfield with another guy coming back from injury and Travis Etienne. I know you have expectations for this offense to take a big leap from the disaster it was last year. Is James Robinson going to be the guy again in that offense, or do you think Etienne cuts into that a lot? Etienne definitely cuts into that, but look at what Doug Peterson did in Philadelphia. He is a running back by committee guy. This isn't somebody who believes in multiple running backs. And also, I think we can just use our sort of football brain and be like, I mean, you're somebody, Connor, obviously you, you study the draft. You've done it for years for Bleach Report doing analysis. James Robinson and Travis Etienne, their profiles coming out of college, different players. Very. Right? In terms of what both guys do well. Doug Peterson's a professional coach, and he's sitting here like, okay, I've got a weapon at Etienne, and he can do X, Y, and Z. And I've got James Robinson who can do A, B, and C. And so I'm going to mix and match and use both guys. And so for me, I love Etienne this year. I think he's going to have a really big year. But the Jaguars improved their offensive line this offseason. It's going to be a much better offensive line. Uh, we expect this to be a high-flying offense. And so James Robinson getting half the touches 
Like, I think that's a running back by committee between Robinson and Etienne. And the argument against Robinson was really injury and Etienne. Okay, fine. But he's going in the 13th round. Uh, he's going as running back 45. That's already baked into his ATB, ADP a lot, by a lot. And now he's going to be active in week one? All right, fine. You're not using him in week yeah. one. But, like, if you're telling me I get a guy that has always been super productive fantasy-wise when he's been out there is going to be out there starting in week one behind a rebuilt offensive line and, and an offense that we like a lot this year? I don't know. To, to get a guy that's going to get, I don't know, 12 to 15 touches a game in a decent offense in the 13th round? All right. I think I'll easily. sign up for that. Yeah. Even at ETN's peak at Clemson, he was never a guy getting 20-plus touches a game. It's that's just not, not who game. he is. It's not who exactly. he is. So Robinson is going to still be a guy there. All right. Looking at late round pass catching targets, staying with the Jacksonville offense, Christian Kirk, we saw in the preseason when he was on the field, essentially over 30% of the time he was getting targeted. We know what he can do in the slot for Trevor Lawrence. This is the safety blanket that Trevor Lawrence has needed. Nine games last year where he got six or more targets. Averaged 15 fantasy points per game. And that was on a stacked Arizona team. Now he's coming. Look, we always say, follow the money. He got paid. He's going to be, he is going to lead the Jacksonville Jaguars in targets for Trevor Lawrence. Uh, very talented player on a team that's going to throw a lot again. We like Trevor Lawrence this year. We think he's going to be good. Yeah, I, I think given his ADP of uh, basically into the 11th, I'm in on him. And then I'll just real quickly pivot yeah. to George Pickens, you know, one of the trendiest players, but I'm in on Pickens. Uh, Mike Tomlin earlier today announced officially Mitch Trubisky is the starter. We've talked about this all, all offseason. That is an upgrade uh, for the Steelers' offense from what Big Ben was last year. Pickens, look, when the Steelers draft a wide receiver, you pay attention. Pickens is going to be opposite Deontay Johnson on the other side. Like, look, he's he is the second best odds to win rookie of the year. He's at plus 800. Like, he opened it up at plus 4,500. That's how much his stock has risen. Uh, they like him a lot in Pittsburgh, and if they like him a lot, we like him a lot. Red zone machine there from day one. Red zone machine for George Pickens. Uh, eight, he's going in. Uh, round, round 13, I feel like that's significantly jumped. Yeah, yeah. Significantly jumped, obviously. But Pickens, you like him, I think, surpassing Claypool in that I offense. Do. Yeah. I do. I think Claypool has, is decent. I'm in on the Steelers' offense. Again, I, it was a decent offense last year, and they got an upgrade in Mitch Trubisky. So, by the way, so not to humble brag, but I'm doing the Tonight please. Show tonight. I'm doing the Tonight Show tonight. We let on the show with that. Yeah, well, yeah. fan, we appreciate that. So, yes. please watch NBC tonight. Please do. Or, uh, or see the clips. Uh, it's it's Hillary and Chelsea Clinton, it's Offset, and then it's me. It's like it's, one of these things is not like the other. One of these things doesn't it does belong. Feel it's that. like yeah. It's a it's like pretty it's cool. An eclectic group, but I'm so thrilled to do that. Um, so anyway, it is last call. Uh, you don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. So for Connor Rogers, for Denny Carter, I am Matthew Berry. Thank you so much for tuning into the Happy Hour. We are back tomorrow live from SoFi. That's right in LA. Watch the Tonight Show tonight. Peace out. Love you all.